to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Well, guys, here we are. It's already February 2022. It feels like it was just uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas not that long ago, a couple weeks ago, really. Yet here we are flipping the calendar to a new month in the new year. So with that being said, we already have some events coming up that uh, my company BioLite is going to be participating in. The first one is going to be Biohacking Congress in Las Vegas. So bring your dice, bring your uh, lucky rabbit foot, if that's still a thing these days, and come on down to Vegas for a biohacking conference where you'll be able to gain exclusive skills on biohacking, health optimization, and longevity. 30 plus of the top speakers will be there presenting lectures, and there will also be panel discussions. And I will be there presenting on red light therapy, along with partaking in a panel discussion. The date, that's going to be March 19th and 20th, which is, if I look at my calendar here, the first, second, the third week in March. I'm not sure if that correlates with spring break or not, but regardless, Biohacking Congress, Las Vegas, March 19th and the 20th. You'll be able to explore the best biohacking products and health tech devices, such as red light therapy, deuterium depleted water, a bunch of electromagnetic devices, supplements, adjuvants. If you're into health and wellness, you're going to be able to meet like-minded people and make long-lasting friends. I was there along with BioLite in Miami this past October, and we just had a blast, met a lot of people. When you're going to these type of events, you're going to meet people that are thinking, you know, the same wavelength. So you're just going to find a lot of synergy, a lot of excitement, a lot of positivity. So it's these types of events that are just exciting to go to, to learn, to speak with other like-minded people, to really find what's the newest and best technology or innovation in the space and learn from some of the top experts in their respective fields. So once again, that's going to be Las Vegas, March 19th through the 20th, which is two days. So I shouldn't say through, which is March 19th and 20th. But yeah, Biohacking Congress, come check us out. And this is preliminary early bird notification that will also be in the subsequent Biohacking Congresses, if that's a word, in Boston. And that's June 11th and 12th. And then once again in Miami, October 22nd to 23rd. So if Las Vegas in March doesn't work for you, whether it's time-wise or location-wise, pencil in either Boston in June, again, that's 11th or 12th, and Miami, October 22nd and 23rd. As of now, we are scheduled to partake in the Health Optimization Summit in London. That is put on by Tim Gray. And for those who have been listening to this podcast for a while, you're familiar with that name. I was able to interview him several months ago. And I was also able to snag a booth in London. <laughs> That's going to be in March 28th, 29th. And BioLite is going to partake in that. There's going to be some big, big time speakers at this event. We're looking at the likes of Ben Greenfield, Jim Quick. Dr. Sachin Panda, Paul Saladino, 
Max Lugavere, Jolene Brighton, Sergey Young, Patrick McCowan, who I also was able to interview about breathing. I also believe Dr. Daniel Pompa will be there speaking on fasting. So there's going to be some of the best of the best at the Health Optimization Summit in London. If you're able to, again, that is May 28th through the 29th. Just go into Google or your favorite search engine and type in Health Optimization Summit to check out that event and see if you want to partake and get some tickets. But without further ado, those are my only announcements for now as we begin this second month in 2022. Today's solo sode is really going to revolve around one specific piece of research. And this piece of research actually came out as I was recording the three-part episode I was doing about the power of light through the eye for overall health and wellness with Fritz Hollowich. So it came out January 5th of this year, and it was released in the Journal of Personalized Medicine, and it's entitled Microbiome Changes in Humans with Parkinson's Disease After Photobiomodulation Therapy a retrospective study. And this is by Brian Bicknell and his cohort. Just for a background, for those who don't know, a retrospective study is an observational study that enrolls participants who have already have a disease or a condition. So in other words, all cases have already happened before the study begins. So in this case, all the participants that enrolled already had Parkinson's disease. And so they were utilizing photobiomodulation or the scientific term for red light therapy to see how that could potentially affect their status within Parkinson's disease. And so this is going to be a relatively unique solo so just in the sense that I'm going to go over one piece of research, but we're going to really dive deep into this research. Whereas prior episodes, as you know, if you've been listening to the red light report, I give some kind of superficial results and just a broad overview of research just to give you guys a glimpse of really the power and the potential of red light therapy. But with this piece of research being so new and so profound, I really wanted to just take an entire episode to take a deep dive into this article. So I've combed through, I'm just going to go through the most important parts of this research article. So we're going to start with the introduction And this is stuff that I'm just regurgitating that the authors have written in the paper. This isn't me just spitballing or or coming up with this off the top of my head. So we're going to go through the introduction. We're going to go through the types of participants they utilized. We'll get into the discussion and then close with the conclusion. And so if you're familiar with research articles, they can certainly vary depending on what the topic is and what the research entails. Some of them can be relatively short. Some of them, of course, can be medium. And then some of them can be pretty darn long and quite detailed and very sciencey. So again, I've tried to parse this hot off the press article, but at the same time, dive deeply enough so all of us here get a great understanding because, of course, especially in the US and and worldwide, Parkinson's has become more and more rampant with time and Of course, it's very, very multifactorial. There's a lot of different lifestyle and habits that can lead a person to have Parkinson's. Of course, there's some genetic 
variability there as well. But just from a red light therapy or a light aspect, we know that the brain is by far the most mitochondrial dense tissue in the body. And by that, I mean it requires the most energy because again, the mitochondria produce 95% of the energy in the body. So the more energy that an organ or a tissue or a cell requires, it's going to have more mitochondria to produce energy to fulfill its tasks. When you combine the brain and the eye, because they're connected neurologically, the brain and the eye require 25% of your entire body's energy. So with that being said, the eyes are pretty mitochondrial dense as well, albeit not as dense as the brain, but you can see that with these two organs being so dense with mitochondria, it leads one to believe, based on the science and the physiological mechanisms of how red light therapy works, that they could be altered for the better with red light therapy because, again, the mitochondria respond specifically to red and near-infrared light. Thus, if they're so mitochondrial dense, with the correct dosage, you should be able to potentially mitigate, reverse, and, of course, put a stop to certain conditions of the brain and eye. And, again, a lot of the research that's coming out is starting to show that most recently several months ago with the eye, just three minutes of red light in the morning can increase your color visual acuity by 17% for an entire week, just one three-minute session. And so here we are with the brain in January 5th of 2022 with some pretty cool research on how you can alter Parkinson's disease via the microbiome in the gut with red light therapy. So that's why I wanted to take an entire episode to dedicate to this article because it's very profound with the information it has. It has a lot of potential implications for other diseases and other health conditions. And so I think this is one that I think will speak to darn near every person listening to this podcast because without a shadow of a doubt, whether it's personal, family, friends, or otherwise, someone's been touched by an individual that has had Parkinson's disease. So I think we're all familiar with the trials and tribulations and the emotions and and so on and so forth that can happen when someone close to you has this disease. And on that note, it's also good to remember that Parkinson's disease is due to mitochondrial dysfunction. If you listen to my presentation that I did in Miami that was about the global overview of red light therapy and how it works and why it can help so many different health conditions. One of my slides was about all the different health conditions and diagnoses that are directly tied to mitochondrial dysfunction, meaning the mitochondria aren't producing enough energy for cells and tissues and organs to carry out their day-to-day functions. And Parkinson's disease is due to mitochondrial dysfunction. And so that's why I'm so bullish and excited and just want to get the word out about red light therapy because if Parkinson's disease is due to mitochondrial dysfunction and red light therapy directly affects and optimizes the health and function of mitochondria, then shoot, we got a pretty easy, non-invasive, safe, able to use it at home solution and very cheap relative to the medications and therapies and so on and so forth that go into Parkinson's disease. So again, that's why I want to share this article. 
very impactful, very profound. So again, it's called Microbiome Changes in Humans with Parkinson's Disease After Photobiomodulation Therapy, a Retrospective Study. And so the introduction is that Parkinson's disease encompasses a broad range of motor, cognitive, and behavioral clinical signs and symptoms, which vary from patient to patient and complicate the treatment of individual Parkinson's disease sufferers. The symptoms of Parkinson's disease are managed with levodopa, often combined with an enzyme inhibitor to ensure maximum delivery of L-DOPA to the brain and subsequent conversion to dopamine by the remaining neurons in the substantia nigra. This medication regimen over time may fail to prevent the progression of the disease. Hence, other interventions may be required. Here, we present our data on the use of photobiomodulation applied to the gut and other areas to target the gut-brain axis in Parkinson's disease. Acknowledgement of the importance of the gut-brain axis has increased the recognition of the link between microbiome balance and brain function. It is appreciated that some bacteria that compose the gut microbiome are associated with a wide range of behavioral dysfunctions and neurodegenerative diseases. This is especially true in Parkinson's disease. For example, dysbiosis of the gut microbiome can reduce the number of short-chain fatty acid-producing bacteria, which in turn increases local inflammatory signaling. Reduction in short-chain fatty acid production, reduced gastrointestinal functional and anatomical integrity, and a consequent increase in the movement of bacterial metabolites across the gut wall are all features of Parkinson's disease resulting in increased inflammation. Photobiomodulation has been shown to be a non-invasive and safe therapy free of deleterious side effects. Photobiomodulation has a multitude of effects in the body due to its action at a mitochondrial level and cellular level. We have previously shown that photobiomodulation treatment applied to the abdomen of mice can lead to a beneficial change in the microbiome. More recently, we reported that a combination of photobiomodulation treatments delivered to the head, nose, neck, and abdomen in humans has the potential to attenuate or reverse some of the clinical signs and non-motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease, and similar improvements were also demonstrated with remote photobiomodulation treatment to the abdomen and neck without any transcranial treatment. So I'm going to repeat that again. They saw some positive benefits for Parkinson's disease when they used red light therapy to the head, to the nose, to the neck, and to the abdomen in humans. And so to the head, of course, because that's directly to the brain, to the nose, because they're going up the nose to target the frontal lobe of the brain through the nasal canal, to the neck, because when you irradiate infrared light to the neck, you're able to actually irradiate some of the superior cervical ganglion that are directly tied to the brain. So you can get some positive effects there. And then to the abdomen, because as we'll learn in this research article, you can alter the gut microbiome for better. This podcast was brought to you by the Longev Revive Cream. If you haven't heard of this cream before, go back and listen to the podcast interview with David Horanek, one of the people that helped create this amazing cream. The cream is specifically developed to enhance red light therapy treatment sessions. And not only that, but improve vibrational healing 
from the frequencies of full spectrum sunlight. The Revive includes special ingredients such as photodynamic amino acids, which helps convert UV light to red light. It increases production of this thing called fibronectin, which is said to be the holy grail of anti-aging. And then there's astaxanthin, which has been shown in clinical studies to increase skin moisture, moisture retention, and elasticity. There's turmeric, which contains an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antimicrobial properties. There's copper peptides, which also has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effects. C60 has high antioxidant power to prevent skin aging, 172 times more than vitamin C. And then there's also geranium rose, shungite, humic acids, and most of these ingredients are organic and they're all high, high quality. So if you want to check this cream out, go to longev.com, that's L-O-N-G-E-V-V.com, or you can also find it on biolite.shop, that's biolite.shop. And then their follow-up was that they were also able to see positive effects treating just the abdomen and just the neck with red light therapy without specifically targeting the brain. So again, that gut-brain axis seems to play a role here. So moving on to the last part of this introduction. The objective of this study was to compare two fecal microbiome samples, pre- and post-treatment, from a convenience sample of participants in a Parkinson's disease study before and after they completed a 12-week course of photobiomodulation therapy to the abdominal, head, neck, and nasal areas. And so moving on to the participants portion of this research article, the participants were recruited in January 2019. The participants were five males, seven females between the ages of 60 and 80 years old. All had established diagnosis of idiopathic Parkinson's disease, which was diagnosed by the respective neurologists, and a history of stable anti-Parkinson's disease medications for three months prior to the study. Participants were treated with photobiomodulation for 12 weeks, and briefly, participants were treated with a four-diode laser device at 904 nanometers, which is near-infrared, transdermally, so through the skin, over nine points of the abdomen in a grid pattern, and over the C1-C2 region of the neck, which is the highest point of the neck that connects to the skull, C1, C2 of the cervical spine, as well as transcranially with four LEDs, and lastly, intranasally with a single LED. Total treatment time was 30 minutes to do all of that. Participants were treated three times per week for four weeks, followed by twice a week for four weeks, and then once per week for four weeks. So they had 24 total treatments. To measure the change in the gut microbiome, the fecal samples were self-collected by study participants before the photobiomodulation treatment began and after 12 weeks of treatment was completed. And so moving on to the discussion portion of this article, they go on to say, To our knowledge, this is the first study that has demonstrated that the application of photobiomodulation is potentially capable of altering the microbiome in individuals with Parkinson's disease. 
Our study supports previous work that has shown that photobiomodulation produces beneficial changes in the gut microbiome in the mouse model of Parkinson's disease and produces favorable changes in gut microbiome diversity in a patient undergoing radiotherapy and immunotherapy for breast cancer with an increase in the number of known beneficial bacteria and a decrease in the number of potentially pathogenic genera. The changes seen in the phylum level, where they had decreased formicutes and increased bacteroidetes, are reflected as a change in the formicutes to bacteroidetes, or F to B, ratio. It is frequently reported that a higher ratio, so more formicutes compared to bacteroidetes, a higher ratio is characteristic of a poor gut health and is associated with obesity and an increased inflammatory state and aging, although not all studies have found this. So just to quickly recap, too much formicutes, too little bacteroidetes leads to poor gut health, which is associated with obesity and inflammatory state. So you want more bacteroidetes relative to formicutes. So moving on here. While in association of this ratio with the neurodegeneration is worthy of consideration and the ratio was found to be reduced in patients with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS and depression, a review paper evaluating microbiomes among Parkinson's disease sufferers found no significant differences in the formicutes to bacteroidetes ratio. To date, four non-pharmacotherapeutic interventions have been suggested to slow the progression of Parkinson's disease via manipulation of the microbiome, these being diet, pro- and prebiotics, antibiotics, and fecal microbiota transplant. Based on our findings, photobiomodulation is a potential novel fifth intervention and may complement new and existing treatment strategies. Photobiomodulation using laser light or LED light represents a non-invasive, safe alternative to target microbiome changes. Photobiomodulation has been demonstrated over many years to be safe for a variety of medical conditions, including neurodegenerative diseases and traumatic brain injury, as opposed to Parkinson's disease medications, which are frequently associated with a multitude of side effects um, adversely affecting quality of life. Photobiomodulation treatment remote from the site of an injury or disease has also been shown to be effective, potentially by activating stem cells, circulating cell-free functional mitochondria, circulating chemical messengers or mitokines, and or through immune modulation. To this list, we might now add changing the microbiome as a potential mechanism. As a potential therapy, Photobiomodulation would be ideally commenced as early as possible in the disease trajectory before the severe reduction or complete elimination of beneficial bacteria from the microbiome, including by medications, and may best be combined with diet, pre and probiotics, or fecal microbiota transplant to restore microbiome genera. Although changes in the microbiome can occur over the time scale of hours, related to diurnal rhythms and food intake, and over days related to diet change and xenobiotic ingestion, including medications, the microbiome of healthy adults 
can remain stable over long timescales. It might be expected, however, that dysfunctional microbiome associated with Parkinson's disease would worsen as the disease progressed. Notwithstanding the multiple studies that have compared the microbiome of Parkinson's disease and health controls, few studies have assessed changes in microbiome in Parkinson's disease over time. In our study, we have shown that although photobiomodulation treatment over 12 weeks did not result in significant changes to the microbiome composition, there was a trend towards a reduction in certain genera and an increase in others. These changes were highly individual, which is unsurprising given the individuality of even healthy microbiomes, as well as the individual nature of Parkinson's disease symptoms, individual medication regimens, the stage of disease, and participant response to the photobiomodulation therapy and reduction of symptoms. Some of the trends seen in our present study are associated with an increase in beneficial bacteria. Bacteroidales are considered to be anti-inflammatory, are producers of short-chain fatty acids, and are more common in the microbiome of people with high-fiber diets. The genus Bacteroidales is generally considered a component of a healthy microbiome, being increased in high-fiber diets and decreased in high-fat diets, and is generally found to be decreased in the microbiomes of Parkinson's disease sufferers. So again, bacteroidetes seems to be lower in Parkinson's disease and higher in generally healthy people. Moving on. Several studies have advanced the proposition that an increase in pathogenic or potentially pathogenic bacteria can be characteristic of the Parkinson's disease gut microbiome and genera acknowledged as detrimental have been found in some studies to be increased in Parkinson's disease. Clostridium cluster 11 is a group of potential pathogens which includes Clostridium difficile that is associated with a high-fat diet and type 2 diabetes. In our study, two genera were identified within this group and both genera showed a trend to decrease in participants following photobiomodulation treatment. Given the importance of altered gut microbiota in Parkinson's disease sufferers, any improvement in the bacterial balance has the potential to assist with the stabilization of Parkinson's disease symptoms. The observed changes to the gut microbiome of participants in this study, whose clinical signs and symptoms also improved with photobiomodulation, lend support to the important role of microbiome changes in Parkinson's disease. Photobiomodulation has been shown to alter the microbiome in a mouse model, both in healthy mice and in animal models of Alzheimer's disease and osteoporosis. In humans, one possibility is that the change in the microbiome with photobiomodulation could be a primary effect, either acting directly on the bacteria or as a result of the anti-inflammatory effect of photobiomodulation, counteracting inflammation in the gut and hence reducing dysbiosis-induced gut leakage. A second possibility is that the changed microbiome is a secondary effect of improvement in the symptoms of Parkinson's disease and the subsequent communication from the brain to the gut. It is interesting to note in this context that there is a suggestion that deep brain stimulation can change the gut microbiome. The end result of either possibility is a changed, possibly healthier, microbiome which should have positive effects for the trajectory of the disease. 
the mode of action of photobiomodulation to change the microbiome merits further investigation. This study was preliminary in nature and suffers from a number of limitations, including the lack of a control group, small numbers, and heterogeneity of the participants with regard to Parkinson's symptoms, as well as a lack of information on the dietary habits of the participants. These shortcomings would be addressed in the future larger-scale study. Despite these limitations, our results suggest that photobiomodulation treatment can influence the microbiome in Parkinson's disease. I'll say that again, even with all of those shortcomings. Despite these limitations, our results suggest that photobiomodulation treatment can influence the microbiome in Parkinson's disease. Moving on to conclusions, we'll wrap it up here. We have seen changes in the microbiome of Parkinson's patients after a 12-week treatment regimen with photobiomodulation. Specifically, the Formicutes to Bacteroidetes ratio, which is often interpreted as a proxy for gut health, improved for the majority of participants with photobiomodulation treatment. While there were no significant changes in microbial diversity and microbial taxa after photobiomodulation treatment, there was, however, a trend toward microbiome changes, including increases in some short-chain fatty acid-producing bacteria, increases in genera recognized as beneficial to the microbiome, and decreases in potential pathogens and some bacteria recognized as harmful for the microbiome. The microbiome of people with Parkinson's disease is complex, highly individual, and potentially influenced by many factors such as diet, lifestyle, and medications, as well as disease state, comorbidities, and stage of Parkinson's disease. Investigations of the response of the microbiome to photobiomodulation treatment is worthy of further study in prospective controlled clinical trials in order to confirm the relationship of photobiomodulation in microbiome changes in Parkinson's disease patients and investigate the potential of targeting the gut microbiome with photobiomodulation as an avenue into the treatment of Parkinson's disease. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the article. Very thought-provoking, very profound, very applicable to those dealing with or wanting to mitigate the symptoms of Parkinson's disease simply through the gut. And so just to encapsulate what they're saying here, maybe in layman's terms, and they kind of said it during the article anyway, but... By targeting the gut, they were able to fix an imbalance where in these Parkinson's disease patients, there were too many quote-unquote bad bacteria, not enough good bacteria. But by targeting the gut with red light therapy, photobiomodulation, they were able to decrease the bad, increase the good bacteria, kind of restore the balance, that diversity of the good versus the bad, and thus see while not statistically significant, a very strong trend towards improved symptoms in Parkinson's disease. And to their point, there needs to be more further studies, further investigation with a control group, more patients, and maybe more specific protocols to really tease this out. But regardless, this piece of research alone gives us a lot of hope and really a way to potentially treat in a safe manner 
those who are already dealing with, or again, show signs and symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So while this podcast is never providing medical advice, I am providing you with simply the information and research that anyone can find on the internet. But I do hope that the information I do provide, in this instance, a piece of research that just came out a couple of weeks ago, hopefully this information, you can kind of do your own research, kind of go a little deeper and decide if this is a type of treatment that you'd want to utilize on yourself, friends, or family to see if that could help with their Parkinson's disease. Again, simply utilizing near-infrared light. Because again, with the red light that only treats the skin, you need to use near-infrared, which gets deeper than the skin, and thus treat the gut, which is exactly what they did in this research article. I believe it was somewhere in the 900 nanometers, which is really close to the 850. Yeah, they use 904. Most LED panels are going to use 850. So pretty close. They're both in the near-infrared spectrum. So Again, the mitochondria are going to respond to that. So if you have a red light therapy device, this is something you could do on a semi-consistent basis. And I personally do this on a semi-consistent basis. For me, it was more to help manage and mitigate anxiety and stress. Because again, with a gut-brain access, just like what's working here in the Parkinson's disease patients, if I'm able to alter my mental status or if I'm able to improve my gut microbiome, simply by using red light therapy on my gut, let's say even once a week, that's pretty darn easy and a pretty huge return on your time and return on investment. So that's all for today, guys. I just wanted to share this one article, hot off the press, but pretty cool information. And like I've said in previous episodes, I think that as time goes on, more and more research is going to come out where stuff like this, where we're showing that we can potentially treat Parkinson's via the gut with red light therapy. I think research in the future is going to further tease out specific spectra of light, specific dosages. And I think things are just going to become more crystal clear with how we can utilize red and near infrared light for our health and our wellness and our longevity. So I hope you guys found this interesting and useful, potentially applicable And I'll be doing more of these types of episodes where I dive a little deeper into specific articles that I find pretty interesting and highly applicable to the audience. If there's ever a specific topic you want to learn about or you want me to kind of dive deep on, don't hesitate to, you know, send a direct message through any social media platform for BioLite, which is BioLite.shop. You can send an email to info at BioLite.shop and just send some feedback or or suggestions for certain topics you'd like to hear. And provided I can find some thorough information, I'd be more than happy to present that information on subsequent solo-sodes. But without further ado, appreciate every single one of you that have listened to the end of this episode. And I look forward to providing and presenting more red light therapy information in the future. So everyone have a great week. Take care, be well, and get your light. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolite.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolite. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.